Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I'm Zach Fell, and this week I'm here with Merrill Miller, and he is a musician from Wisconsin. He grew up just north of Madison in Columbus. Until about he was six, his parents found out that his mother unfortunately had terminal cancer when she was pregnant with him, but then decided to see it through. She made it through to bring him full term and then another three and a half years, so that was at least a little bit of a positive. And then dad moved him down to Mississippi where he had a good portion of his childhood. His dad had a 49 Gibson J45, really nice guitar, that he began to take interest in when he was 13. So he's going to talk a little bit about his beginning of his music origin story, playing in church, college, being in various groups, and right now he's actually on tour. He does music full-time. So welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast, Merrill. Yeah, thank you, Zach. So like I said in the little intro there, why don't you give the listeners a your music origin story? Yeah, so um, as you kind of mentioned, my dad had a 1949 Gibson J45. And uh, for those who are not familiar with guitars in the least, um, I can sum it up by saying that is a very expensive, very nice guitar that you don't want your 13-year-old son playing around <laughs> on. <laughs> so, uh, for my 14th birthday, instead of letting me uh, play around on his you know, $8,000 guitar, he bought me a $50 Johnson. Okay. And um, I, I've met a few people who have learned on Johnson Acoustics they're terrible guitars, um, <laughs> but they're $50, and so that's what I learned. And uh, kind of zooming through things, uh, for Christmas that year, my dad bought me a little electric guitar starter pack. It was a Washburn WI-14 and a little trainer 10-watt amp. And um, fast forward a few months, a friend came over and he said, oh, that's a nice guitar. I have a, uh, another guitar. Would you like to trade? And I said, sure, bring it over. Let's see what you got. He had a Fender Stratocaster, so I traded my hundred dollar guitar for a Fender Stratocaster. Um, and so I started playing at church in the youth group there and was kind of assigned as lead guitar kind of right away. And so I was just kind of learning, learning on the fly. Uh, as soon as I learned three chords on my acoustic guitar, my dad would bring me down to these little country circles, these little barn circles, uh, again, growing up in Mississippi. So we would go down to the boonies middle of nowhere, Mississippi, and sit in people's barns, people's sheds, warehouses, whatever. And there would be anywhere from maybe a dozen to maybe three to four dozen people at a time. And we would all just sit in a circle and we would just take turns playing old uh, gospel songs, hymns, uh, old honky-tonk songs, Hank Williams, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, the like. And you would have any plethora of instruments, be it harmonica, guitar, mandolin, pedal steel, lap steel, stand-up bass, banjo, um, any really kind of folk instrument. So that's the environment that I kind of grew up in. And in the same, at the same time, I was playing lead guitar at church. And so, you know, getting kind of into the CCM type of world. And um, at the end of um, my high school career, graduated, I was gifted a 1972 Fender Vibra Lux Reverb, which is a very expensive amp. And um, so, yeah, just kind of growing up in the Mississippi Delta, I picked up a lot of blues and obviously playing out in the country. 
um, a lot of old folky honky tonk bluegrass type stuff. And then uh, ventured up to Wisconsin here and my music kind of took a backseat for a little bit. I went to a private college that was pretty strict and so not a whole lot of music. I transferred out for a couple of years where I joined Crew, which is Campus Crusades. And I was playing lead guitar there for a while and uh, graduated college and got into kind of the adult world and, you know, still attend church and stuff like that. And found a church where I was able to jump, jump on the worship team. And uh, I was actually the uh, lead, one of the lead guitarists at Epicos Church in West Dallas. And the first time I auditioned was a train wreck because that was my first time ever playing to in-ear uh, click tracks and that whole thing. And so to have a little, number one, a metronome. Number two, uh, having somebody intro, four bars, vamp eight bars. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started at Epicos and just kind of bounced around from church to church. Um, I was fired about a year ago for being diagnosed with depression and just been keeping the lights on by playing at various churches as a hired musician. And so I played at like gospel churches, stuff like that, which has also stretched my abilities now because getting into kind of the gospel funk type of stuff, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Um, so kind of like your first introduction to in-ears is almost like being like a quarterback with the people telling you what plays you need to go forward with and, you know, watch this and watch that. So it's a different kind of a feel. It's like, um, you're like, sometimes you feel like you're the puppet and you have the, the puppeteers trying to tell you how to play something sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about how, um, depression has affected your, your music? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, kind of going back to the origin of it all, um, like you had mentioned, like my life kind of from day one was kind of off to a rough start. My mom was diagnosed with terminal uh, cancer when they found out I was conceived and um, she bore me full term. But from as far back as I can remember, I remember knowing and understanding what death was. And so, you know, death in itself, at least from my perspective, isn't necessarily a thing to be depressed about, but it can be very difficult for people and it can hit people in different ways, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, and my dad, when my mom passed, he took it very hard and, you know, he was a Christian, grew up in church and everything of that sort, but he had his battles with alcoholism. And so I have siblings, but they're all... I think like 18 years plus older than me. So they were out of the house by the time I was born. So I grew up effectively an only child and half the time my dad wasn't there. Okay. So I grew up very isolated, um, middle school and high school. I wasn't really bullied. I was just kind of excluded a lot. Um, I wasn't a jock. I played sports here and there, but I never really found a passion for them. And, um, yeah, just kind of a, a loner who was really into music and growing up down South again, I, I didn't grow up in a small town. The town I grew up in was about 40,000 people, but everything was very spread out. And so um, I was really into like punk metal and hip hop and stuff of that sort growing up and trying to find people in rural Mississippi that like punk and metal music is very difficult. <laughs> so um, I felt very isolated just as a whole. And um Growing up, I didn't realize it, but, you know, I was definitely depressed. And then moving forward in college, I also went through a pretty heavy bout of depression um, after the falling out of a toxic relationship. And 
you know, I actually started writing poetry during that time. And it wasn't until 2021, uh, I walked out of a job that was also very toxic. The fellow hired me to yell at me basically. And I'm not about that. So I left and I drove home and I was on my way home and I got about three miles from the office and my engine exploded. Oh. And so I took that as a confirmation that I wasn't going to work the next day anyway. <laughs> um, but I had no job, no car in the middle of winter in Wisconsin for three months. And wow. I sat at home and uh, I was like, well, what do I want to do? I saw my guitars and figured, well, I've been playing music for 15 years. Why not try writing? Okay. So I started writing. And when I started writing, it was like, wow, that's a lot of pent up trauma and depression and a bunch of other stuff. Maybe I should kind of focus and work through that a little bit. You know, um, one of my songs called Jesus and Johnny Cash, it has a line in there where it says, um, as my mother's dying wish and my father's regret. Um, and I try to move past it, but it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, on the surface, it can seem kind of harsh. And, you know, I don't believe that I was my father's regret or anything like that or that he right. or anything. I do believe that he loved me. But at the same time, you know, in the moment where, you know, your dad is like going to the bar and you see that, you know, that he's going to be gone for two or three days. And you're like, no, I want you here with me. I want your attention because you're the only thing that I have. Right. So that's a very painful thing to kind of work through. And again, like in that moment to a 12, 13, 14 year old kid, you're a regret because he has bigger and better things to do. Gotcha. And so that's really how kind of my writing took life and again it really started as kind of a, a therapy for myself and then slowly and surely people started coming up to me strangers and like hey i love your music I'm like what <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah took it and ran and here we are excellent excellent thank you for that so you've taken your music now and you've you're putting it onto a recording platform so kind of give us an idea of that trip from the beginning to where you are now with that yeah. So, um, like I said, started writing music in 2021, um, kind of late 2021, that same year. Um, I was talking with one of my buddies, Brady Lee, uh, who I met through Epicos. He's actually doing music full time now as well. And said, Hey, I have some songs. I, I want to record them. You know, would you mind helping me out? He said, sure. So we, he produced a handful of songs for me. We recorded them. And um, so those are the first handful of songs that I have released. I think I have two out right now that I worked with him on. Um, one called A Far Way Off. And then the second one is 22. And so I started recording it and found that the process was a bit longer and a bit more expensive than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it was one of those things where I don't regret doing it. You know, I enjoy Brady. He does an excellent job. And the thing is, is I didn't know what I was doing or what I wanted. And so it's very much, you know, kind of Brady's a great producer. And like, I really enjoy the music that he did. And like, I really like the songs that, you know, he helped me put out. But it's one of those things where, like, I listen back to it and it's like, I would do all these things differently now. And as I get into kind of the recording world and stuff of that sort, you know, having a better idea, being better prepared, 
um, being able to go into the studio and say, all right, here's the direction that I want to stay in or that I want to head in. Here's the field that I want to stay in. Like, let's, let's go. Um, especially as a solo musician, um, because it all really kind of falls back on me of here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm thinking and stuff of that sort, you know? So I really have to kind of think about a lot of things as far as the approach, um, with hired musicians and stuff, I, I prefer to do that because I'm not a drummer. So if somebody's like, you know, I do have a drummer and he, he'll he ask me, he's like, so what what do you think for the beat? Should I do this? Should I do a, you know, this triplet? Should I do a blast beat here or whatever? And like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's gotten to the point where he's like, all right, do you want one? And he'll play a beat. Do you want two? He'll play a beat. Or do you want three? And I'll, I'll go from there. And uh, so I appreciate that kind of approach. But yeah, just learning that you don't need to, you know, pay hundreds of dollars an hour to make a good album. You need a microphone and, you know, good direction. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, when you first started out with, you said his name was Brady. Yep. Okay. So when you're, when you're working with him, you know, it was kind of like a, a starting point. And from there you kind of grew and learned what, you know, what to do and what you don't want to do. And, you know, as you further on, obviously you're going to learn more and more and you're going to finally find exactly what you're looking for, which is, I think a lot of musicians do, even when they're starting out learning an instrument, sometimes they think they're going to turn out a certain way on an instrument, but they turn out to be a completely different kind of player on an instrument. Hey there, music makers and creators ready to take your sound on an adventure. Dive into the magic of ZTF studio where the incredible Zach T. Fell, the creator and host of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. ZTF Studio is not your average recording spot. Imagine a space where your music gets the VIP treatment, from capturing the soul of a single instrument to jamming out with a full band we've got you covered. So, why hang out at ZTF Studio? Because we get it, your music is a vibe, an emotion, a whole journey. Zach's all about bringing your unique sound to life, making every recording a piece of art. Ready to give your music the home it deserves? Shoot us a message at zdeepstudio at gmail.com and let's chat about turning your tunes into something magical. Check out ztfstudio.com for the inside scoop. ZTF Studio, where your sound gets the star treatment. Let's make music. So... Have you taken these songs out live to other people? Have you played in front of other people? Yeah, absolutely. So I started playing live in October 2021. Um, I started 2021 with a goal to write, I think like five or six songs, not a lot. And I ended the year, I think, at 34 songs. And so um, started playing at open mics. Uh, Lindemans was the first open mic that I played original music at. And so I still visit there every so often. But yeah, I started playing out just a few months after I started writing and playing out more and more and just booking shows, um, you know, and the best way to hear the new music or even demos that I'm working on again is going to shows. And for full band shows, it's kind of funny because sometimes we'll play songs that my band hasn't even heard. Um, and I'm thankful to have uh, bandmates that are, you know, skilled enough to be able to follow along with that take cues really well um but you know i'm always writing 
Uh, like I said, I was fired about a year ago for having depression and haven't really had a job since I've taken odd job things here and there, but you know, not a formal job. And so a lot of kind of downtime. And so I spend a lot of that time writing. Um, I have to go back and like through my voice memos and be like, Oh yeah, this is a song that I want to keep and actually learn the song. And so, yeah, just playing out. Uh, like I said, I'm at my buddy's house. He's out at a going away party, but I played a house show for him last night. And uh, next week I have a show at high dive with the full band. And then the next few days I'm out in lacrosse, Claire, Minnesota area, just kind of touring around there. So nice. And then, so you've been playing live out for a couple of years now. We're in the summer of 22 at the end of summer of 22 or 23. And um, what have you learned over these couple of years about the local scene, the positives and maybe some of the struggles that you've kind of um, come across? Yeah, the positives definitely. Um, Milwaukee is a very interesting um, scene that I've discovered kind of from as a, as a newbie to it. It's a very friendly scene, which is always good. You know, I feel like you can connect and approach a lot of people, uh, bigger people in the scene, you know, if you want to call it that. And they're very receptive. They're very uh, welcoming. You know, I can shoot a message to somebody who played, you know, these festivals or whatever and say, hey, uh, do you want to do a songwriting tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Let me see if my calendar's for you, you know. And so that's always really cool. It's very welcoming. And so that's one of the things that I really appreciate with the Milwaukee scene. Um, some of the improvements that I would really like to see, and I think this might be just kind of a, a global type of thing, but the various venues um, really wanting to help support the music scene, um, especially for like national and international touring acts. Milwaukee is very often passed over because Chicago is right there. Um as well as Madison. So it's like, well, you're going through Milwaukee. Why don't you stop in Milwaukee? And it's like, there's no, we're going to Madison. And so, you know, I think a big thing for that is just, you know, and I understand business, you know, these venues and bars have to make money as well. But like, right. I think I remember playing at a bar um, down in river West and it was like, cool. So what do we get paid? Like, well, you made $12. So here you go. Like, <laughs> okay, so I'm splitting $12 four ways. So we made $3 for an hour of music. Got yeah, it. right. You know, and like we didn't even get free drinks. So it's like, why, <laughs> why are we here? Um, and, you know, people always ask because, again, like I'm going out to lacrosse this next week. I'm playing at these shows and stuff like that. And it's like, well, why are you going there? It's like, well, because they pay me. And, you know, it's not necessarily about getting paid, but at the same time as a full-time musician, like right. I got to make my money, you know? Um, and so just finding venues that are willing to pay or just really kind of, you know, get behind the music. Like, you know, Lindemans is, again, is a great place. They've been around for 30 years, but Jim, you know, he's a great guy. He's a music yeah. lover. And, you know, he's like, I'll charge you 20 bucks to use the PA and everything else you get to keep. Um, you know, or, you know, having bars that, you know, even if it's something like, Hey, we just want three hours of music, we'll pay you X amount of dollars. Right. You know, so finding places like that, that really want to support the music and really put the action behind it, I think would be the biggest improvement. Gotcha. Now for those out there, that are listening and want to be a full-time musician. Um, let's kind of like 
break it down into like f- the top five things that a musician you think they learn or you think needs to learn to be you know a striving musician you know full time yeah so top five things um it's a good question so number one um probably the first thing is really just an attitude adjustment um or a mindset adjustment um i took a bell music master class a couple of years ago and the first thing that they said is you cannot be your biggest enemy in the music industry um if you wake up you write a song and you tell yourself right off the bat yeah I like this song, but nobody else wants to hear it. You're not going to go anywhere. So not you don't have to be arrogant, but you have to be confident in your ability. You have to have a winner's mindset. Um, at the same time, you have to understand that nobody cares about your music as much as you do, which can sound kind of harsh, but it's also freeing. Yeah. Because when you're playing a show, oh, man, that song was terrible. Nobody cares about your music <laughs> as much as you do. So, you know... At the same time, it can also be kind of difficult because it's like, oh, this is the greatest song. I love this song. I want to share it with everybody. Nobody cares yeah. about your music. Right, right. Music. You know, so it's a double-edged sword. Um, so again, mindset, I'd say number one. Uh, number two, networking. Be friends with everybody. Music's not a competition. Um, as a lead guitarist growing up, that was kind of one of the biggest things that I had to learn is you know, is very much a shreddery type of thing. So it's like, oh, well, I can play Ingve, you know, and it's like, <laughs> well, I can't do that. Well, I'm not a good guitarist, you know, and I would feel defeated, dejected, which again, music's not a competition. So right. it's like 14-year-old me, it's like, all right, get over it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so to be like, oh, well, this person's playing these stages and I'm only doing this or blah, 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 you know, Again, it's the amount of conversations that I've had with people who I kind of look up to in kind of the local or regional scene. I'm like, dude, you're doing so much. Like, that's great. They're like, no, we really envy you because, like, you're doing this, this, and that. I'm like, what? Um, So, again, it's not a competition. If everybody's looking up to somebody, and that somebody might be you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, network, be friendly with everybody. Um, I think the next thing would just be ask people for things it sounds weird and it's very uncomfortable sometimes but you know saying hey would you mind you know would you want to write a song together would you want to put a show together like would you mind helping me with booking stuff like that you know not that that you're necessarily always going to be taking like you there has to be a balance between you know what you can give and what you can take and i always strive for a balance of being able to help others as much as i um as much as they help me but like, you know, being able to ask for things, a lot of people miss out on opportunities simply because they don't ask. And so I met one of my friends, another local musician, and found out that he lived like right down the street from me because I messaged him on Instagram. Like, hey, what, are you, what setup are you using? Would you mind, you know, helping me record stuff? And he's like, yeah, sure. And we connected. It's like, oh, you're like a quarter mile from me. Neat. Um so asking, and then, um, you know, I think the fourth thing would be know your worth. Um, you know, again, like I said, people have asked me, like, why do you travel? It's like, well, they pay me. Well, you know, get candid here. Going to lacrosse, I have a show that I'm playing at a little dive bar with a guarantee of 450 bucks. And 
you know, for a night, that's pretty good. Yeah. And the reason that I am able to land stuff like that is because I know my worth. Like I'm driving three hours to lacrosse and you want me to play for, you know, two and a half, three hours. That's going to cost me time and money. Um, and I always start with like the band rate because that's obviously going to be higher. And so, because I want to pay my band a fair wage, you know, if they have to take time off of work, I want to at at least replace the money that they're missing out at work. Um, while having fun with it, you know? Right. And so know your worth. Like there was a bar, uh, up in green Bay. They made a post and they're like, Hey, like we're looking for musicians, preferably like the little acoustic acts to come up and play, you know, a set or two. Um, and you know, we don't have any bands booked from September onwards. So I shot him a message saying, Hey, uh, I saw your post. My name is Merrill. Here's my website. Here's my music, blah, blah, blah. And he said, all right, well, what's your rate? Like, well, if you want three hours of music, you know, I'm laying in the four to 500 ish range. Oh, well, that's too much. Like, all right, well, what, what's your budget? You know, cause again, I know that you have to make money. I'm flexible here and there. Right. He's like, well, we can do like 125 bucks and like a pitcher of beer and a burger. And I'm like, dude, for three hours and I'm driving two hours. Right. He's like, well, we've had full bands for like 200 bucks and blah, blah, blah. I was like, but you literally just said that you don't have any bands from September to the end of the year. Like you got to pay people, man. Right. Um, and so obviously I'm not doing that because, you know, I would lose money doing that. It's right. not worth my time. It's not worth, you know, my effort. So knowing your worth. And then lastly, um, just f- keep pushing through. Um, you know, you are your biggest advocate. People are going to hate on you for no reason. Some people are trolls. Doesn't matter. Um, just keep pushing. I always liken it to being at a restaurant. If you, if let's say that you love steak, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a big meat eater. So I really enjoy steak. Let's say that I ordered my favorite steak porterhouse, medium rare, and it comes out and somebody across the way over there yells out, Oh, steak sucks. You should have gotten a salad, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, okay, who cares? I'm going to enjoy my food. Right. Right. Um, you know, because like, I like what I like. And if I like my music, if I enjoy what I'm doing, who cares what that person on the internet, Oh, this song is stupid. Like you quit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. Like this isn't for you. So like, why would I care what you say? Right. And just really kind of move on. And so that was the biggest thing that I kind of realized haters. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, all that to summarize, basically saying, if you love what you're doing, you love what you're playing, you love, you know, where you're going, some random person on the wrong words, some random person on the internet says, you know, I hate your stuff, blah, blah, blah. Cool. What I ordered isn't for you. Enjoy whatever meal you're having. I'm going to enjoy mine. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to be yourself. You have, you know, what's the the adage? You be you, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And other people, if they, they like what you're doing, then they're going to be drawn to you. And if they don't, then they'll find something else. It's it's just like every other kind of art form out there. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're getting closer to the end here, um, are there are a few songs you'd like to put on the podcast for the listeners to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my song, Jesus and Johnny Cash, is probably one of my favorite songs. Um, it was the one that I alluded to a little bit earlier. Um, 
you know, with the line. that I have released. Um, it's the most recent release strategy that I had is I recorded, I think, eight songs with uh, Devin Huckstep from Tegea. So thank you, Devin, for helping me record it. Um, yeah. And the, the last thing that I ask, hopefully the internet will keep us together here for a little bit longer, a gig that made a big impression on you. Yeah. I think the biggest one that I had was... Um, I was playing a business conference about a year ago and it was kind of a niche business, uh, 
niche business conference. I'm Native American and it was, you know, an indigenous business conference and somebody recommended that I play it. And I had never played a business conference or anything like that before. So they asked my rate and long story short, you know, I ended up quite a bit higher than what I thought, you know, I would land at. One of the ones that kind of was the biggest as far as helping me realize like, oh, I can actually do this. And then, you know, the second one was playing a little, not a big turn on, but they all came for me, complete strangers. And like everybody just loved it. And so with that, you know, making that one made me realize, like, I would rather play to, you know, three, four or five people who are really into it than three, four or five thousand people who couldn't care less. So I'd say those are probably my two biggest gigs. Wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know before I let you go for today? Um, yeah, like I said, you know, living in my truck. So if anybody wants to keep up with, uh, music, but also life on the road, they want to see what it's like to really kind of chase your dreams at any and all costs. You can follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram are the big ones. And the tags are, the Merrill Miller, T H E M E R R I L L Miller, because apparently Merrill Miller and Merrill Mu- Merrill Miller music were already taken. Surprisingly, okay. um, but yeah, just follow me on social media. Um, I also have a Patreon that I'm starting up as well. If they want to help buy me a gallon of gas, so. And, and what's your website? My website is MerrillMiller.com. Perfect. M E R R I L L M I L L E R dot com. MerrillMiller.com. Wonderful. Meryl, it was wonderful meeting you, hearing your story. Thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Yeah, for thank, uh, thanks as well for hosting me, Zach, here. It's been a pleasure you know, getting to interact and meet you as well. I was only 18 when I first left home. No kind of plan and nowhere to go I made my way down the interstate My Ford got stolen so I was driving a Chevrolet And I lost the wheel about 12 a.m. Hadn't made it very far just south of Memphis When along came a sheriff Down on 61 He looked at me and he said Now listen son There's a long tiger road ahead Take care of yourself Bottle and he never really 
Yeah. 